Coming up, mandatory mini camp day number one, and it was chock full of takeaways. Depending on how you look at things, it could have been a tragedy offensively or the anointing of one of the greatest defenses to ever play in the NFL. We break down all the ins and outs right after the theme music. Oh, that's right. It's OGP, the one giant podcast where, of course, we are your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, covering the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy Doug Norrie. And over yonder, my friends, is the healthy, wealthy, and wise season generational ticket holder, Mr. Andrew Makowitz, mandatory minicamp, friend. Adam, I, I'm going to let a little secret go. Let it Most loose. OGP listeners don't know that your favorite time of the year is not the regular season. It is mock draft season. But then behind mock draft season, Adam, your second favorite time of the year, mandatory minicamps, M&Ms. That it's clearly your favorite, right? Well, let's, let's be clear here. Name name a season in the last five years when it was worth being more invested in the games during weeks one through 16 and now 17, 18 than it was to be like, hey, why not be hopeful and optimistic before we get any of the proof around what is or is not going to work for the New York football Giants? So, yeah, yeah, I'm fully invested in the, the possibilities of what could be, my friends. And that's what we're talking about here today, because um, obviously we have two more days of mini camps. Uh, mandatory mini camps, by the way. There's some there's some notes again. We talked about it a cor- over the course of this offseason. The red shirts that has been a theme here as well. But first time that we get to maybe get a little bit of a bigger insight onto what's going to happen offensively, what's going to happen defensively. And while the defense is going to be a focus of our conversation here today, Andy, let's start it off on the offensive side of the ball, where or <laughs> where if I was using mini camps and mock drafts to get excited, day one of the mandatory mini camp. That need not be the calling card for this offense. Yeah, wasn't great on offense, Adam. I mean, there's there's not much to to be able to <laughs> yeah. to say. I'll, I'll do my best to to see if we can kind of shape this a little bit in terms of context. Daniel Jones Massage. may have struggled a little bit, Adam. He uh, was 13 of 21. Tyrod Taylor played solid, had a couple of good throws, but he was eight of 13, uh, you know, passing. So his percentage wasn't very great. Look, it it was not great across the board, and clearly the quarterbacks having that type of completion percentage not the best in the entire world. However, I think you need to take it with a grain of salt on the offensive side of the ball, Adam, because when you're missing your left tackle and you're missing your top three wide receivers and you have guys like Richie James out there, David Sills, Alex Bachman catching passes, it feels like the offense might have one arm tied behind their back, but also at this time, because you're a mandatory minicamp expert, who does the advantage go to generally anyway? Yeah, it always falls. They always say when it comes to the offseason and getting into these mini camps, the defense is always ahead of the offense at this time of year, especially let alone if it's the same system and just turning over, but especially when you're installing new systems on both sides of the ball. And we're going to talk about the defensive side where some at least the baseline you know, directives you're going to give. Where are you lining up and what is your goal on this particular play? Well, it's a far cry easier defensively than on the offensive side where you're talking about what's the scheme? Where am I lining up? What's the route combination? Daniel Jones learning the verbiage of the playbook, right? And, and while we anticipate he's been working on that already for months, 
there's still going to be a learning curve there. And then the biggest point you talked about, you don't have uh, Kadarius Tony out there. You don't have Kenny Galladay out there. You don't have uh, Sterling Shepard out there, right? Like, And you don't have Andrew Thomas at left tackle out there. So there's a myriad of, of reasons when you talk about how effective as we get into the defensive side, there's going to be communication. There's also new players, right? Shane Lemieux coming back from his injury, and we like him. We like what he's been showing. But he's now for the first time next to Feliciano. And Feliciano, for the first time, is next to Lewinsky. And then Epineal, he's the rookie, right? So there's a lot of things to sort out on the offensive side of the ball where I'm not going to overly analyze it. I will say, as is going to be the case all offseason, every single preseason game, every single time that Daniel Jones touches the ball, I'm going to look at it with a critical eye and just say, listen, I'm not telling you, you need to totally know what the playbook is on, on day one of the mandatory minicamp but I want you to be completing passes, right? And all the fine details of who dropped what. When we talk about Tyrod Taylor, what we have been hearing is he's been throwing nice rhythm deep balls. Whether or not Darius Slayton is catching any of them is neither here nor there, right? So I, I do think you want to start to hear some drips and drafts. Two more days to go, and we'll see what comes out on the offensive side. As we say, take it with a grain of salt. Two rookies starting at the tackle positions, a guy coming off of a season-long injury, and two free agents just signed. And you're saying, go against Wink Martindale's system, which is the most like (laughs) high-pressure, high-impact one imaginable. Very difficult to like start that out on a good foot. What I will say, Adam, though, the, the the one nice takeaway that we keep hearing time in and time out during some of these OTAs and others is Saquon Barkley is becoming much of a of a bigger threat in the passing game. He caught another short touchdown from Daniel Jones during some of these 11-on-11 drills, I, I believe. But he's just showing that getting him the ball out in space is probably going to be the way that they want to utilize him, not only from a health perspective, but also to keep him fresh and give him one-on-one matchups so he's not just barreling into 300-pound linemen. No, we mentioned it the last episode, right? The the runs off tackle, him being utilized in, in the receiving game. Like, I, I think that... You know, at whatever point the previous regime or any regime should look at a running back and say, hey, if he's that valuable, if he's that high end talent, we want to make sure that we try to protect him and put him in advantageous spots. And that looks like what the new regime is trying to do. One last footnote as we're about to get into full blown wink. But the best way to uh, to offer this up is based off of the way Jonathan Feliciano talked about him at the training camp saying, yeah, it was good for us. Uh, I think the defense definitely got the better of us uh, in the first day. Uh, Don't love it, right? Don't want to be seen as with consistency because Wink Martindale did not hesitate to say, "Eh, here's a little taste. Here's a a little taste. And because these players on the defensive side of the ball are are fully buying in to the potential and the versatility and all of the elements that Wink brings to this defensive unit, I I think – I wouldn't be shocked if on day two here we get a little bit of feedback that says, and the offense got a little chippy, right? Some of the offensive linemen started, yeah, they they, they kind of lost their cool there more than once or twice. Well, Feliciano went on to say, wink did wink things, which I think <laughs> yes. is pretty funny, where it's like, even he though he hasn't played for Wink Martindale, he's like, wink's going to wink. Like, he's going to bring pressure all over the place and bring exotic looks. Adam, I will say, and, and this is just a side note about Feliciano, you know, he came in kind of bashing Buffalo, saying that they never really gave him an opportunity to to start. He was always positioned better as a center, never got on there, has a, has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Early on, with, with with the pressure that they're giving up, he's he's eating a little bit of humble pie very quickly, and he's going to have to understand that some of the play on the field is going to have to back up some of the words that he's had over the last two months of the offseason. 
And, and while not to buy, you know, over buy anything into it, as we talk about Wink Martindale's scheme here, remember, if you're Feliciano, it's not like the contract that you signed is some type of so, you know, it's not so seismic that the Giants can't get bad sample sizes over the course of training camp or good ones from other players, younger players, and say, you know what, maybe you're not necessarily the starting center for us. He needs to go out and prove it. Again, day one, we expect good things from him, but but it's sad. Like you say, the pendulum swings quickly, especially when we're talking about what Wink has done here. And in particular, um, I think the first guy that we want to bang the drum of underneath Wink Martindale is going to be, now enjoy this, Andy. We do pre-show, everybody knows, but I didn't tell Andy what this tag was going to be because Dane is belting it out of the park mm. when we talk about how he's being used inside of Wink's scheme. Well, so thank you. when we talk about Wink's going to no, win. No, no, thank you. Thank you. No, thank yes, you. Thank, th- thank you, on. Adam. You thank know you. you know that we are thank a very pro Dane Belton podcast here. We appreciate him. Uh, what I wanted to say uh, to start this and set the, set the scene for what we're going to talk about is when we talk about Wink and a Wink, basically what he talks about is being able to dictate what the offense does rather than the offense dictating you. And during OTAs, Wink came out and said, I'd rather come up with a plan of how I can attack and force them to make matchup changes along the way, rather than sit back for five days on my heels between you know practices and when the game starts and have to figure out all the options of what they could do to me if I sit back. And he's showing this already in terms of creating exotic looks and people buying and buying into all of this. And sure. it starts... With someone like Dane Belton, we have mentioned multiple times he is perfect for Wink's system. He's a he is a safety, but he also played the crash position at at Iowa. I think Zach Rosenblatt mentioned that, where he played outside linebacker a little bit, where it's kind of like a hybrid, and then he could get to the quarterback because he's got great athleticism, great speed, and he's a very very strong individual. And so, in this back to back snaps was able to get pressure into what would have been sacks if they were able to hit Daniel Jones. He is being able to provide pressure from the safety position, exactly giving that exotic look that Wink has been looking for. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that this is the type, again, the way we talked about him, he's just, he's the model of player that fits what Wink wants to do. And, you know, the difference between, and we're going to talk about in a second here, Julian Love, but safeties in general, the difference between, having that little extra burst, right? Being a little bit faster in the 40 time or being a little bit stronger. And I'll, I'll just use the Julian Love comp here. Julian Love, 5'11", 195. Dane Belton, 6'1", 205, right? Like the extra little bit of height matters in certain matchups from a, a, a coverage standpoint. The little bit of extra size and muscle and weight matters from being able to fight off and get off the edge and get after the quarterback or however you're going to be executing underneath Wink Martindale. So I, again, one practice, but... This now follows the trend, the back end of voluntary and rookie mini camps, and now into mandatory Dane Belton. It seems like what we what we're hearing more and more is here's a kid that's starting to check more boxes, starting to get an understanding of what's going to be asked of him. And I just, I, I see him slowly climbing up the depth chart. You and I keep talking about this, like day one starter should not be off the table for Dane Belton. Serious reps for Dane Belton are coming there. I just don't see there's two ways around it. And I'm not, overreacting off of this. Hey, he almost got to Daniel Jones or could have hit him. This is the totality of what we're hearing this offseason. In OTAs, even the first day of minicamp, it's the same thing. It's that his speed and athleticism in that position is causing havoc. And every time you say those words, it makes Wink Martindale smile. It means he will be on the field more and more. I originally thought, Adam, that it was going to be a like-for-like swap out for Dame Belton to Julian Love because you think – too high safety can be played a little bit. Wink sure. likes to play cover one with Xavier McKinney a lot. 
But in actuality, maybe we're underestimating what Julian Love's versatility can do in this crazy scheme that Wink Martindale's putting together. Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, Julian Love, we're calling this the wrinkle as he was playing down in the box. He was lining up as a linebacker in this in this versatile scheme for Wink Martindale. On the one hand, to your point, I think you have to look at a lot of players and and go back to what what are their core traits? What are they good at, right? And say, well, there's a lot of different ways that they could be applied. In that regard, I like it. I'm I'm optimistic for what Julian Love is going to be on this roster throughout the entire season can hopefully be a versatile piece, depending on what down and distance. Maybe you want to get a little more coverage, a little more quickness, and Julian Love can be that for you. The other side of it, I think, if we're just going to, you know, caution everyone a little bit around the optimism is, as I just said, he's 5'11", 195. It's not like you you said this in the pre-show. It's not like you're lining them up next to Blake Martinez and being like, now stick your nose in there, brother. You're going to stuff this run. So I, I, I think, where do you end up landing on it? Because we were batting this around. Is it that, well, Julian Love has more versatility than we realized and, and there's going to be a functionality for him in this system? Or I can go the other way with it and say, well, you see what Dane Belton is doing. Julian Love, you need to show that you can be in that mold. Are you a guy that can line up off the edge and get after the, after the quarterback? Can you be in a linebacker, edge role, coverage role, right? Do you have the ability to be as versatile as Wink needs you to be? So it, as you mentioned in pre-show, I was thinking about this. I'm like, wow, Julian Love lining, lining up at linebacker. That is amazing. And then I thought to myself, at his you know 195 and, and just under six feet, He's not your prototypical inside linebacker. He's not going to be stuffing the run, as you mentioned. He's not going to be tackling Derrick Henry in between the tackles. What what I will say, though, is Julian Love is doing exactly what Wink needs. And, and, and so, like, the situation is, is basically I can play him in nickel corner. I could play him at outside corner for a snap if I need mm-hmm. to. I can mm-hmm. drop him back to safety for a snap. I can do a whole host of things. And and so to be able to, to have him have this versatility is important because that's what Wink's going to ask. He wants it to be creative. He wants it to be a little bit um, interesting and, and, and be able to give exotic looks. And so for that reason, Julian Love may be able to carve out a role. The other way that I'll, and I'll say too, before we get into another player getting down into the front and who's going to be really putting the pressure on opposing QBs and how that can hopefully impact the depth chart in a positive way here. I'll also, I'll, I'll dial in another one. We know that wink, maybe a lot of single high safety looks. Okay. But what about scenarios where you're running two safeties and maybe that maybe it's going to be Dane Belton and Xavier McKinney on the back end, And you have single coverage on the outside. And even though we run in a three, four front, Maybe you're going to put that extra body, extra hand in the dirt. And all of a sudden, you could be talking about having Julian Love in a pseudo middle linebacker role. But really what he is, is a coverage, you know, backer safety waiting for the tight end, maybe waiting for the running back out of the backfield, right? I think that that's the versatility we talk about underneath underneath Wink Martindale, where it's everybody, everyone in front of Julian Love in that scenario, you're all going after the quarterback and everybody else behind you, you're in the coverage, you're taking care of the back end. And in that regard, you may look inside of that linebacking core and say, where's our best bet? Would I rather have a Blake Martinez out there on the field? Would I rather maybe have, you know, Darian Beavers, right? Some of the young players, or maybe a guy like Julian Love can carve out a little bit of flexible role there for himself as well. So I, these are things that'll flesh out. But I, I, I do think at the very least, you have to look at all these players with open eyes and say, what's possible for them under Wink, as opposed to stylistically what Patrick Graham was asking 
and areas where a guy like Julian Love was limited, right? He's limited in a pure coverage role. It doesn't mean he can't have a role. Well, you talked about uh, the different positions, and I think that really brings into what we're talking about. Overarching is the position versatility, I think, Adam, in terms of what Wink is going to ask these players to do. You hear guys like Dexter Lawrence saying they're going to ask us to do a whole host of things around here. You have Larry, I think it was Larry Williams said, hey, sometimes you may want me to drop back in coverage. You're like, what? Leonard Williams dropping back in coverage? Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But, the, but the point is, in for one play, one situation, can these guys have the versatility to create a look that the quarterback doesn't see coming or the offensive coordinator can't scheme against? If you're telling me that Leonard Williams for two seconds can hold up a tight end that is going to be sitting on his side, what that allows is you to rush three, four, five different other guys and, and be able to confuse a defense, uh, uh, confuse an offense, confuse an offensive line, and confuse the quarterback in terms of where his quick out is going to be. Do you remember we 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 talked, we interviewed last last season, uh, Matthias Kiwanuka. And if you remember, we were talking with him about like, remember when they asked you to go from, from being hand in the dirt to standing up playing linebacker back and forth? Was that difficult? And I, th- this is a exact quote. Hell no, it wasn't. I didn't like doing it. Like it wasn't natural for him to do it in that regard. Like hearing Leonard Williams, this reminds me a little bit of like JPP when they start to take him off the line and drift out into a zone. Look, you know, trying to cover some space out there. You know, I think Leonard Williams is saying all the right things. It means different things for different players, but if you're Leonard Williams and if you're Wink Martindale, we've talked so much about uh, what, what Thibodeau means for Wink Martindale, the perfect model player, a hundred percent. But, you know, Leonard Williams is a very versatile weapon defensively, right? When we look at him and we always talk about how good he is against the run, we know going back two seasons, the 13 sacks, I I, I think that there is untapped potential around his athletic ability and his versatility. I'm not saying watch out Leonard Williams, you know, the linebacker, but I, I don't think that he has ever been fully utilized to this point of his career in every possible facet or been challenged in that way. And that might be one of the big things underneath Wink Martindale too. I think that a lot of these players, veterans and rookies alike, Wink Martindale challenges you to do different things, to be versatile. And that can be, that can be a good thing for an experienced veteran player like Leonard Williams. Hey, tell me you want me to do something new, right? Accuse me of not being good enough to do X or not athletic enough. And I'm going to try to make that happen for myself. And, and Wink Martindale is showing the more versatility you have, the more snaps you'll get on the field. Because if you're a one-dimensional kind of guy and there's only one thing that you can do, then he can only use you in those situations. He wants the the quarterback will then know, okay, this guy can only drop back in, into cover to whatever. This guy can only blitz. When you do that, it gives additional information to the offense to make decisions pre-snap. That is the complete opposite of what Wing, Wing Martindale wants. We mentioned it before. He wants to dictate things. He wants to keep the offense up at night and not the other way around. And guys like Dane Belton coming in, you're seeing that he's had the ability to play safety, but he's also getting in the box like an edge rusher. That versatility is, is something that you can tell. They went up and got Dane Belton in the draft for this reason. They said that fits perfectly with the aggressive style of play that we want Wink to have. It's interesting, too, just uh, quickly on Dexter Lawrence, right? Another guy we say, depending on which depth chart you look at, he is now getting listed at the nose tackle position, but he was used as an edge rusher over the past couple of seasons as well, and that's a little bit of versatility. He's a really good name to watch in terms of still a young player. We know the contract extension could be coming up here You know, within the next year or two. There's going to be conversations to be had there. Actually, no, next year, right? Because we're talking about being in that fifth-year option opportunity 
uh, and then extending him, extending him long term. He needs to show that underneath Wink Martindale, he can do more than just maybe be the big body sitting there in the middle of that defensive front, right? Um, so it's just it's it's fascinating, man. In a lot of ways, this reinvigorated me around what can we start to dissect now? What can we think about? And we still have two more days of it. The other player, though, that we want to keep an eye on on this defensive front, and what I think does become interesting because we're talking about some of like the high level names when we say. Well, yeah, we obviously think on the back of, well, listen, Dory Jackson, right? He's a starting corner, and we know Xavier McKinney, and we know Aziz, and we know Thibodeau. But what happens behind these guys? That's the big interesting one. The linebacking core has a lot of names and a lot of young talent. The edge rushing group, though, the one that we heard early on this offseason was Quincy Roche, right? Maybe a little sneaky grab that the Giants organization made last year, and he could actually come up and have some value. The other player that we were pretty excited about when he was drafted. And then unfortunately had the injury and wasn't really able to showcase himself for a full season is Eller is Ellerson Smith. And, and I'll let you go on it, Andy. I think that maybe his skill set it's like, again, he feels like the perfect guy to be having behind Thibodeau. If he, if he can get himself into the reps and into the rhythm, because he has the speed, he has the length, he has the strength. So he's six six, Adam. He's two sixty two. Some some place seven six seven. He's out of uh, Northern Iowa. He was kind of a linebacker edge rusher there. They said he was very raw coming out of college when the Giants drafted him last year. Had some injuries early on. Wasn't able to really get on the field. And I think part of the reason why he wasn't able to get on the field outside of injuries was because the Giants were playing from behind quite a bit, and so his skill set didn't really make sense to have on the field. Right, get after, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's a guy that can get after the quarterback. And you're hearing in mandatory mini camps and even some of the OTA stuff, he's starting to show that he has the ability to be an outside edge rusher, or they can move him inside the same way that we're talking about Julian Love. Can we get away with him playing inside linebacker for one or two snaps? Can we get away with him creating this this havoc? And if Ellerson Smith shows up, it really, Adam, you had mentioned this to me before it really starts solidifying what the outside linebacking edge rushing positions will look like with, when you have Azizio Jolari on one side, Kayvon Thibodeau on the other. And then when we, when we need a breather on either end, you have Ellerson Smith on, on one and Quincy Roche on the other. It feels like those four players having some kind of rotation and getting to the quarterback is going to give offenses fits. Yeah. It's about having waves, right? It's about being able to bring waves at, at the opposition and not give them reps off. And you talk about Ellerson Smith, maybe a little bit on the interior. And, and honestly, if you can afford to do that inside of the in, inside linebacker group, well, now you add him into this handful of players. We know about Darian Beavers and we know about uh, McFadden and what we hope he can become. We obviously have Blake Martinez at the front, Tay Crowder, but even Cam Brown, right? Carter Coughlin, whatever it's going to look like over the course of the camp, it's going to shake itself out. But you roll through all of these names and the potential to be able, again, for Wink Martindale to be able to say, no, 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 Ellerson Smith on this one, you're over here, right? You're on the left side. No, you're on the right side. You're on the inside. No, you're on the outside. And all that that in theory can do to an opposition is say, so what's he doing now? What, you know, where is yep. he coming from right now? And that's what you're trying to do. And, and, and again, to temper the expectations when we're talking about a player like Ellerson Smith or anybody, I'm, and I'm not knocking it. I think that if he's healthy and he gets through camp here, he's an exciting player. He, to me, I don't know, maybe it's like he's somewhere in between and why is he the versatility? It's like when I think of Darian Beavers, when they drafted him, right? I get some of the same type of vibes of, well, you could do a few different things with him. If these guys prove it over the course of the offseason and training camp, then you start to get very excited about having the depth and the youth and the speed and the energy that Wink Martindale needs in his defense. This is the big question, Mark, because if these guys aren't checking the boxes, if Quincy Roche and Smith 
and Beavers and McFadden and any any of the holdovers, Tay Crowder, right? Any of these guys, anyone who ends up not showing it, well, every time they don't is another time when you go, okay, so we only have one wave. We don't have two. We don't have a second wave. We don't have a third wave to throw at you. And that's, I think, the delicate balance and what we're going to be really excited about after this mandatory mini camp and then training camp is who's showing, yes, I can do this down in, down out with consistency. And Adam, at the end of the day, sure. This is day one of mandatory minicamp, right? And and I know that we're getting excited because it really is the defense that is showing up and showing out right now. And yeah. and they did it, unfortunately, against our offense, which doesn't look too great. But sure. it is day one. We we should take it with a grain of salt. But these are these are good updates and good things that are happening when guys like Ellerson Smith and Dane Belton, who a couple of weeks ago, not many people thought would be contributors on this team or have a role carved out are really starting to assert themselves. And the more players that are that are saying, you can't keep me off the field, the better it is for this Giants defense. It's give, It's making me feel like this defense is going to be significantly better come week one. Well, and I, and I think too, we'll say it today and we'll say it at the end of this mandatory minicamp. What happens when minicamp ends and then they show back up in training camp, right? That's when you're going to learn about a lot of these players and what they're capable of. Everyone we talked about, from rookies like Dane Belton to veterans that are maybe fighting for a role in Julian Love. What you do from when this ends until you get back a month from now and you get into training camp, you're going to show up and understand where people stand. And that goes for the offensive side of the ball too, because I don't know how much better you're going to look over the next two days on the offensive side with everything they're dealing with. So that means you got to figure it out between now and then do the studying, get in the books and come out ready to play. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more, hopefully offensively tomorrow and try to balance this out. I do have, you know, there are thoughts, there are thoughts developing in my head around the offensive side of the ball and what needs to be proven over the course of this off season until then though, guys, you get over to YouTube. You go ahead and you subscribe, you like it, you review it, you love it. You get in the comments, you chat it up with us. You tell us we got to pump the brakes on Dane Belton. We tell you you're nuts. You tell us that you like Julian Love, and we say, hey, listen, maybe there's an opportunity for him there. You get the podcast where you get those needs fulfilled as well. And in the meantime, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue. 